Chapter Ten, Part Two of Nana by Emile Zola, translated by Burton Rasco. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Ten, Part Two. For some little time past, Count Mifa had seemed uneasy. One morning, in a very agitated state, he placed under Nana's eyes an anonymous letter in which she saw, in the first lines, that she was accused of being unfaithful to the Count with Vandeuvre and the two Hugons. It's false! It's false! she exclaimed energetically with an extraordinary accent of truthfulness you swear it asked mifa already relieved oh on what you like on my child's head but the letter was long afterwards it went on to recount her connection with satin in the most ignoble terms when she reached the end she smiled now i know where it comes from said she simply and as mifa wished for a denial of the latter part she resumed coolly that my dear is a thing which does not concern you what can it matter to you she did not deny it his words showed his disgust then she shrugged her shoulders where did he spring from that sort of thing happened everywhere and she named her friends she even swore that ladies in the best positions were no strangers to it in short to hear her there was nothing more common or more natural what was not true was not true he had seen just before how indignant she was about vandeuvre and the two Higons. ah had that been true he would have done right in strangling her but what was the use of telling him a lie about a matter of no consequence and she kept repeating come now what can it matter to you then as he continued to complain she silenced him saying in a rough voice well my friend if it doesn't please you you have a very simple remedy the doors are all open you must either take me as i am or leave me alone he bowed his head in his heart he was pleased with the young woman's protestations she seeing her power no longer hesitated employing it and from that time satin was openly installed as part of the establishment on the same footing as the gentleman vandeuvre had not required the anonymous letter to understand what was going on he joked about it and had little quarrels of jealousy with satin whilst philippe and georges treated her as a comrade shaking hands with her and saying some very equivocal things nana had an adventure one night having been abandoned by the hussy she had gone to dine in the rue des martyrs without being able to come across her while she was eating alone Degenet made his appearance though he had settled down he came there occasionally his old vices getting the better of him trusting not to meet any of his friends in those dark corners of parisian abomination consequently nana's presence seemed rather to put him out at first but he was not the man to beat a retreat he advanced smiling he asked if madame would permit him to dine at her table seeing him inclined to joke nana put on her grand cold air and sharply replied seat yourself wherever you please sir we are in a public place commenced in this style the conversation became very funny but when the dessert was served nana feeling bored and burning to triumph put her elbows on the table and then resumed her old familiar way well and your marriage my boy how is it getting on not very well admitted Degenet. as a matter of fact when about to venture to ask for the young lady's hand he had encountered such a coldness on the count's part that he had prudently abstained from doing so it seemed to him that it was all up nana looked him straight in the face with her bright eyes her chin in her hand an ironic smile on her lips ah so i'm a hussy she resumed slowly ah so you must deliver the future father-in-law from my clutches well really for an intelligent fellow you're a damned fool what 
you go and say a lot of nasty things to a man who adores me and who tells me everything listen your marriage will come off if i choose my boy for a few minutes he had been of the same opinion a project of complete submission was forming in his mind however he continued to joke not wishing to let the matter become a serious one and after putting on his gloves he asked her in the most correct manner for the hand of mademoiselle estelle de beuville she ended by laughing as though being tickled oh that mimi it was impossible to be angry with him Degenais's great success with the ladies were due to the softness of his voice a voice of a musical purity and suppleness which had caused him to be nicknamed among the gay women velvet mouth all yielded beneath the sonorous caress with which he enveloped them he knew his power so he lulled her with an endless string of words telling her all sorts of stupid stories when they quitted the table she was quite rosy trembling on his arm reconquered as the day was very fine she dismissed her carriage and accompanied him on foot as far as his lodging then naturally she went in with him two hours later she said as she was putting on her things again so mimi you want this marriage to come off well he murmured it's the best thing i can do you know i'm quite stumped after a short silence she resumed all right i'm willing i'll help you you know she's as dry as a faggot but never mind as you're all agreeable oh i'm obliging i'll settle it for you then bursting out laughing her bosom still uncovered she added only what will you give me he had seized hold of her and was kissing her shoulders in a transport of gratitude she very gay quivering struggled and threw herself back ah i know she exclaimed excited by this play listen this is what i must have for my commission on your wedding day you must bring me the hansel of your innocence you understand that's it that's it said he laughing even more than she did the bargain amused them they thought it very funny it so happened that on the morrow there was a dinner party at nana's that is the usual thursday gathering Mifa, vendeuvre the two hugon and satin the count arrived early he was in want of eighty thousand francs to rid the young woman of two or three debts and to present her with a set of sapphires for which she had a great longing as he had already eaten considerably into his fortune he wished to meet with a money-lender not yet daring to sell a portion of his estates so by nana's advice he had applied to la bordette but the latter considering it too big a matter for himself had desired to speak of it to the hairdresser francis who was always willing to be useful to his customers the count placed himself in the hands of these gentlemen merely requesting that his name should not be mentioned they both agreed to keep his acceptance for one hundred thousand francs in their possession and they excused themselves for the twenty thousand francs of interest by railing against the swindling usurers to whom as they said they had been forced to apply when Mifa was ushered in francis was just finishing nana's headdress la bordette was also in the dressing-room in his familiar fashion of a friend of no consequence on seeing the count he discreetly placed a heavy bundle of banknotes among the powders and the pomades and the bill was accepted on a corner of the marble dressing-table nana wished la bordette to remain to dinner but he declined as he was showing a rich foreigner about paris however Mifa having taken him on one side to beg him to go to beggars the jeweller and bring him back the set of sapphires which he wished to have as a surprise for the young woman that very night la bordette willingly undertook the commission half an hour later julien privately handed the count the case of jewels during dinner nana was very nervous 
the sight of the eighty thousand francs had upset her to think that all that money was going to be paid away to tradespeople it annoyed her immensely as soon as the soup was served in that superb dining-room illuminated with the reflection of the silver plate and the crystal ware she became sentimental and began to praise the joys of poverty the men were in evening dress she herself wore a dress of embroidered white satin whilst satin more modest and in black silk had merely a golden heart a present from her darling friend at her throat and behind the guests julien and francois waited assisted by zoe all three looking very dignified i certainly amused myself a great deal more when i was without a sou nana kept repeating she had mifa on her right and vandeuvre on her left but she scarcely looked at them being entirely occupied with satin enthroned in front of her between philippe and georges eh hey, my love she said at each phrase didn't we used to laugh at that time when we went to old mother josse's school in the rue polonceau they were then serving the roast the two women launched forth into recollections of their young days they every now and then had a longing for gossip a sudden desire to stir up all the mud of their youth and it was invariably when men were present as though yielding to a mania for making them acquainted with the dung-heap whence they sprouted the gentlemen turned pale and glanced about in an embarrassed manner the two Hugon tried to laugh whilst vandeuvre nervously twirled his beard and mifa looked more solemn than ever do you remember victor asked nana he was a depraved youngster he used to take little girls into the cellars i remember replied satin and i remember too the big courtyard at your place there was a doorkeeper with a broom mother bush she is dead and i can still see your shop your mother was awfully stout one night when we were playing your father came home drunk oh so drunk at this moment vandeuvre essayed a diversion by interrupting the ladies in the midst of their reminiscences i say my dear i should like some more truffles they are excellent i had some yesterday at the duc de corbreuse which were not to be compared to these julien hand the truffles said nana roughly then she resumed ah yes papa was very foolish what a tumble-down ah if you had only seen it a regular plunge such misery i can well say that i have tasted of all sorts and it's a miracle i didn't leave my carcass there the same as papa and mamma this time mifa who had been nervously playing with a knife ventured to interfere it is not a very amusing subject you are talking about eh what not amusing exclaimed she crushing him with a look i don't suppose it is amusing you should have sent us some bread my dear oh as you know i'm a true-hearted girl i say what i think mamma was a washerwoman papa used to get drunk and he died from it there if that doesn't suit you if you're ashamed of my family they all protested what was she thinking of they respected her family but she continued if you're ashamed of my family well leave me for i'm not one of those women who disown their father and mother you must take me with them do you hear they took her they accepted the father and the mother the past everything she wished with their eyes fixed on the tablecloth they all four now made themselves small whilst she kept them beneath her muddy old shoes of the rue de la goutte d'or with the passion of her all-powerful will and she was slow to lay down her arms they might bring her no end of fortunes built her innumerable palaces still she would ever regret the time when she used to chew apples with the peel on 
it was a fraud that idiotic money it was only invented for tradespeople then her outburst ended in a sentimental longing for a simple way of living with one's heart in one's hand in the midst of an universal benevolence but at that moment she caught sight of julien standing with his arms hanging by his sides and doing nothing well what pour out the champagne said she why are you looking at me like a silly gander during the row the servants had not even smiled they seemed not to hear becoming more majestic the more madame forgot herself julien poured out the champagne without flinching unfortunately francois who was handing round the fruit held the dish too much on one side and the apples the pears the grapes rolled all over the table stupid fool cried nana the footman made the mistake of trying to explain that the fruit was not placed securely on the dish zoe had disturbed it in removing some oranges then said nana zoe's a fool but madame murmured the maid very much hurt at this madame rose and with a gesture of royal authority said curtly that's enough i think leave the room all of you we no longer require you this execution calmed her she at once became very quiet and very amiable the dessert passed off most pleasantly and gentlemen were greatly amused at having to help themselves but satin who had peeled a pear went to eat it standing up behind her darling leaning against her shoulders and whispering things in her ear which made them both laugh very much then she wished to share her last piece of pear and held it out to nana between her teeth and their lips touched as they finished the fruit in a kiss this produced a comical protest from the gentlemen philippe called to them not to stand on ceremony vendeuvre asked if they would like him to leave the room georges went and took hold of satin round the waist and led her back to her seat how silly you are said nana you make the little darling blush never mind my love don't take any notice of them that's our business and turning towards mifat who was looking on in his solemn way she added isn't it dear yes certainly murmured he slowly nodding his head there were no more protests in the midst of these gentlemen of these great names these ancient integrities the two women seated in front of each other exchanging tender glances imposed themselves and reigned with the cool abuse of their sex and their avowed contempt for man they applauded the coffee was served upstairs in the parlour two lamps lighted up with their feeble light the rose-colour hangings the lacquer and old gold knick-knacks there was at this hour of the night in the midst of the caskets the bronzes the china a discreet glimmer which illumined the gold and ivory incrustations shone on the gloss of some carved wand and watered a panel with a silky reflex the afternoon fire had burnt low it was very warm a debilitating heat was confined by the heavy curtains and hangings and in this room all full of nana's private life where her gloves a handkerchief an open book lay scattered about one met her free from all ceremony with her odour of violets her jolly girl kind of disorder creating a charming effect amongst all that wealth whilst the easy-chairs as big as beds and the sofas as deep as alcoves seemed to invite to somnolence forgetful of the flight of time to sweet words whispered in the shadows of their corners satin went and stretched herself out on a sofa near the fireplace she lit a cigarette but vendeuvre amused himself with pretending to be awfully jealous of her and threatened to challenge her if she again turned nana from her duties philippe and georges joined in teased her and pinched her so hard that she ended by crying out darling darling do make them leave off they're annoying me again 
come leave her alone said nana seriously you know i won't have her teased and you my dearie why do you always go with them when you know they are so foolish satin very red in the face and putting out her tongue went into the dressing-room the open door of which showed the pale marble lighted up by the subdued flame of a gas-jet enclosed in a ground-glass globe then nana conversed with the four men with the charm pertaining to the mistress of a household she had been reading during the day a novel that had created a great sensation the history of a courtesan and she was disgusted she said it was all false showing besides an indignant repugnance for such filthy literature which had the pretension of being true to nature as though one could describe everything as though a novel ought not to be written just to while away a pleasant hour regarding books and plays nana had very fixed opinions she wished for noble and tender works things to set her thinking and to elevate her soul then the conversation having turned on the troubles that were agitating paris on the incendiary newspaper articles the attempts at riot following the call to arms enunciated every night at public meetings she vented her wrath on the republicans whatever did they want those dirty fellows who never washed themselves wasn't every one happy hadn't the emperor done everything for the people a lot of swine these people she knew them she could speak of them and forgetting the respect she had just exacted at the dinner-table for her little world of the rue de la goutte d'or she assailed her relations and friends of bygone days with all the disgust and the horror of a woman arrived at the top of the tree it so happened that very afternoon she had read in the figaro the report of a public meeting written in a most comical style and the recollection of which still made her laugh on account of the slang words used and the description of a disgusting drunkard who had been turned out oh those drunkards said she with an air of repugnance no really now their republic would be a great misfortune for every one ah may god preserve the emperor as long as possible god will hear you my dear solemnly replied mifa but never fear the emperor is strong he liked to see that she had such good feelings they were both of the same opinion in politics vandeuvre and lieutenant hugon were also full of jokes about the roughs braying asses who bolted at the sight of a bayonet georges that night remained pale and gloomy what's the matter with the baby asked nana noticing how quiet he was nothing i'm listening murmured he but he was suffering on leaving the dining-room he had overheard philippe joking with the young woman and now it was philippe and not he who was seated beside her his chest heaved and seemed ready to burst without his knowing why he could not bear them to be together he had such wicked thoughts that a lump rose in his throat and he felt ashamed in spite of his anguish he who laughed about satin who had endured steiner then mifa then all the others revolted and became enraged at the idea that philippe might one day become that woman's lover here take bijou said she to console him passing him the little dog which was sleeping on her lap and georges became quite lively again holding something belonging to her that animal full of the warmth of her knees the conversation had fallen on a run of bad luck vandeuvre had had the night before at the cercle impérial mifa who was no player expressed his surprise but vandeuvre smiling alluded to his approaching ruin of which paris already had begun to talk it did not matter much how the end came the thing was to end well 
for some time past nana had noticed he was nervous with wrinkles at the corners of his mouth and a vacillating look in his bright eyes he retained his aristocratic haughtiness the refined elegance of his impoverished race and as yet it was only a slight vertigo at times beneath that cranium emptied by women and play one night that he passed with her he had frightened her with some atrocious idea he was thinking of shutting himself up in his stable with his horses and setting fire to the place when he had reached the end of his tether at this time his only hope was in a horse named lusignan which was in training for the grand prize of paris he lived on this horse which sustained his damaged credit every time nana wanted money he put her off till the month of june if lusignan won bah said she jokingly he can afford to lose as he is going to clear out every one at the races he merely replied with a mysterious little smile then added lightly by the way i have taken the liberty of naming a filly of mine only an outsider after you nana nana it sounds very well you are not annoyed annoyed why said she in reality greatly delighted the conversation continued they were talking of an execution shortly to take place and which the young woman wanted to see when satin appeared at the dressing-room door and called nana in a supplicating voice the latter rose at once and left the gentlemen who were taking their ease puffing their cigars and discussing a very grave question as to how far a murderer in a chronic state of alcoholism is responsible for his actions in the dressing-room zoe was seated on a chair crying bitterly whilst satin was vainly endeavouring to console her what's the matter asked nana in surprise oh darling speak to her said satin for the last twenty minutes i've been trying to reason with her she's crying because you called her a fool yes madame it's very hard it's very hard stuttered zoe almost choked by a fresh fit of sobbing this sight moved the young woman she said some kind words and as the other did not become calmer she sat down before her and put her arm round her waist with a gesture of affectionate familiarity but you silly girl i said fool just the same as i should have said something else i didn't mean it i was in a passion there i was wrong now do leave off crying i love madame so much stammered zoe after all that i have done for madame then nana kissed the maid after which wishing to show that she was not angry she gave her a dress that she had worn only three times their quarrels always ended in presence zoe wiped her eyes with her handkerchief and before carrying the dress off on her arm she said that they were all very sad down in the kitchen that julien and francois had not been able to eat any dinner as madame's anger had taken away all their appetite and madame sent them a louis as a pledge of reconciliation she could not bear to see any one unhappy nana returned to the drawing-room happy at having put an end to the tiff which was causing her some anxiety for the morrow when satin whispered quickly in her ear she complained she threatened to go away if those men teased her again and she insisted on her darling sending them all off that night it would be a lesson for them and then it would be so nice to be alone together nana again becoming anxious swore that it was not possible then the other spoke harshly to her like a passionate child insisting on having her own way i insist on it do you hear send them away or else i'll go and she returned into the drawing-room and lay down on a sofa away from the others and near a window where she remained quite silent and as though dead waiting with her large eyes fixed on nana 
the gentlemen were drawing their conclusions against the new theories of the writers on criminal law with that wonderful proposition as to irresponsibility in certain pathological cases there threatened to be no more criminals but only invalids the young woman who kept nodding her approval was trying to think of a means of getting rid of the count the others would soon be going but he would be sure to remain behind and so it happened when philippe rose to leave georges followed him at once his only anxiety was not to leave his brother behind him vandeuvre remained a few minutes longer he sounded the ground he waited to see if by chance some matter did not oblige mifa to leave him in possession but when he saw him evidently making himself comfortable for the rest of the evening he did not persist but took his leave like a man of tact but as he moved towards the door he noticed satin with her fixed look and understanding no doubt and rather amused he went and shook her hand well we're not angry are we murmured he forgive me on my word you're the best of us after all satin disdained to reply she did not take her eyes off nana and the count who were now left to themselves being no longer under any restraint miva had gone and seated himself beside the young woman and had taken hold of her fingers which he was kissing then she to create a diversion asked him if his daughter estelle was better the night before he had complained that the child seemed very melancholy he could never spend a happy day in his own home with his wife always out and his daughter wrapped up in an icy silence nana was always full of good advice respecting these family matters and as mifa his mind and his body upset began again giving way to his lamentations why don't you get her married asked she recollecting her promise and she at once ventured to speak of Dagonet. But at the mention of the name the Count showed his disgust. Never, after what she had told him. She pretended to be greatly surprised, then burst out laughing and putting her arms round his neck said, Oh, how can you be so jealous? Do be reasonable. He had been talking to you against me and I was furious. Today I am really sorry. But over Mifa's shoulder she encountered Satin's fixed gaze feeling uneasy she let go of him and continued in a serious tone my friend this marriage must take place i don't wish to prevent your daughter's happiness he's really a very nice young man you couldn't find a better one and she launched forth into unbounded praise of dagonet the count had taken hold of her hands again he no longer said no he would see they could talk of it another time then as he spoke of going to bed she lowered her voice and made objections it was impossible she was not well if he loved her a little he would not insist however he was obstinate he would not leave and she was already giving in when she again encountered satin's fixed look then she became inflexible no it could not be the count much affected and looking far from well had risen and was seeking his hat but at the door he recollected the set of sapphires the case containing which he felt in his pocket he had intended hiding it at the bottom of the bed so that her legs might come in contact with it when she first got in it was a big child's surprise which he had been planning ever since dinner and in his confusion in his anguish at being thus dismissed he abruptly handed her the jewels what is it asked she why sapphires ah yes that set we saw how kind of you but i say darling do you think it's the same one it looked better in the window those were all the thanks he had she let him go he had just caught sight of satin waiting in silence on the sofa then he looked at the two women and no longer persisting he submissively went off 
the house door was scarcely closed when satin seized hold of nana round the waist and danced and sang then running to the window she exclaimed let's see what a fool he looks outside in the shadow of the curtains the two women leant on the iron rail one o'clock struck the avenue de villiers now deserted stretched far in the distance with its double row of gas lamps in the midst of that damp darkness of march swept by great gusts of wind full of rain patches of unoccupied ground appeared as masses of shadow houses in course of construction displayed their tall scaffoldings beneath the black sky and a mad fit of laughter seized the two girls as they caught sight of mifa's round back moving along the wet pavement with the mournful reflection of his shadow across that icy empty plain of a new paris but nana made satin leave off take care the police then they smothered their laughter watching with a dumb fear two black figures walking in step on the other side of the avenue nana in all her luxury in her royalty of a woman whom every one obeyed had preserved a dread of the police not liking to hear them spoken of any more than she did death she felt uneasy whenever she saw a policeman look up at her house one never knew what to expect from such people they might very well take them for some low gay women if they heard them laughing at that time of the night satin tremblingly pressed close up against nana yet they remained there interested by the approach of a light dancing in the midst of the puddles on the pavement it was the lantern of an old female rag-picker who was searching the gutters satin recognized her why said she it's queen pomarie with her wicker cashmere and whilst the wind beat the fine rain in their faces she told her darling queen pomarie's history oh she was a superb woman once and drove all paris mad with her beauty she had such go such cheek used the men like animals and often had grand personages weeping on her stairs now she had taken to drink the women of the neighbourhood amused themselves by giving her absinthe and in the streets the urchins followed her throwing stones in short a regular smash-up a queen fallen into the mire nana listened feeling very cold you'll just see added satin she whistled like a man the rag-picker who was under the window raised her head and showed herself in the yellow light of her lantern there appeared in that bundle of rags beneath a big handkerchief in tatters a scarred bluish face with the toothless aperture of the mouth and the flaming loopholes of the eyes and nana in front of this frightful old age of a courtesan drowned in alcohol beheld in the darkness the vision of chamon that irma d'anglars the retired prostitute loaded with years and with honours ascending the steps of her chateau surrounded by a prostrate crowd of villagers then as satin whistled again amused at the old hag who could not see her she murmured in an altered tone of voice leave off the police again let's go away quick my darling the sound of footsteps returned they closed the window on turning round nana shivering with her hair all wet on beholding the room remained as it were struck with astonishment as though she had never seen it before and had entered some unknown place she found the atmosphere so warm so perfumed that she experienced a pleasant surprise the wealth piled up around the ancient furniture the gold and silk stuffs the ivory the bronzes all seemed reposing in the rosy light of the lamps whilst from the now hushed house there arose the sensation of a great luxury the solemnity of the grand drawing-room the comfortable amplitude of the dining-room the peacefulness of the vast staircase with the softness of the seats and carpets it was like an abrupt expansion of herself 
of her requirements of domination and enjoyment of her wish to possess everything merely to destroy it never before had she felt so strongly the power of her sex she glanced slowly around her and then said with an air of grave philosophy well all the same one is right in availing oneself of every opportunity when one is young but satin was already rolling about on the bearskins of the bedroom and calling her come quick come quick nana undressed herself in the dressing-room to be ready quicker she took her thick light hair in both hands and shook it over the silver basin whilst a shower of long hairpins fell from it ringing a chime on the shining metal End of chapter ten